of flux. We'll start you off with Quincy Notre Dame. They did, in fact, get their game in last night and took down Granite City 49-24 on the road in a game you saw highlights of last night on overtime. The Raiders led last night by Ike Wiley, who was 8 of 9 passing for 91 yards. He had three touchdowns. Johnny Onimus also scored three touchdowns, two of them of the rushing variety. He had 11 carries and 187 yards as the Raiders improved to 4-1 and on the season. Quincy High School, their game got moved to today. That will be a 3 o'clock kick way up in the hinterlands of Siberia, a.k.a. Sterling, Illinois, today. We'll update you on that one a little bit later. All right, let's take you through the WIVC now. Beardstown and Unity played a half last night. Beardstown jumped out to a 29 to nothing lead. All of a sudden, the weather rolled in. They couldn't figure out if they could make up the rest of the game, if the lightning would abate, if they could find officials. So they eventually decided to call the game, making it official. Beardstown wins 29 to nothing in that game last night. Pascal Gilavogi, nine carries, 152 rushing yards, and three touchdowns. Also a mutual decision in the third quarter for Camp Point Central to end its game at Triopia. 36 to nothing is how that shakes down when it's all said and done. The Panthers improve to 5 and 0 on the season. Brandon Rossmiller with 112 rushing yards and two touchdowns in the game. By the way, Central hosts undefeated Beardstown next Friday, in which will be the biggest game of week number six. Also last night, game that got finished to completion. Brown County takes out Jacksonville route on the turf at IC 20 to six. Cameron Zimmerman had two receiving touchdowns, including the ultra rare 99 yard receiving touchdown as well. North Green last night takes down West Central 12 to 7 in the old Oaken Bucket game heartbreaking loss for Pleasant Hill as they lose 31 to 30. Kodiak Rogers had three touchdowns rushing and a 95-yard kickoff return for a touchdown in the loss. Pleasant Hill now 0 and 5 on the season eliminated from playoff contention. Paris and Macomb got started last night in Macomb but they just weren't able to ever get it finished. I believe it's scoreless. That game will resume this morning at 9 o'clock as Paris stayed over last night. That had to make for a heck of a stay and a heck of a short turnaround for Paris. Also last night, New Berlin beats Pittsfield 35 to nothing in a game that is still in progress. Elmwood-Brimfield leaves Bushnell-West Prairie 16-14 to in the second quarter. That game is getting restarted at 10 a.m. In a game that lasted but a quarter before both teams... Yeah, I guess uh, agreed to to call it a game. Monroe City beats West Hancock twenty two to nothing. Antoine Battle with a couple of touchdowns. The weather really bad in Warsaw last night, so lasted a quarter, but it was pretty much decided by that point. West Hancock losing twenty two to nothing in Iowa last night. The Iowa powerhouses finally ran into buzzsaws last night. True test as Keokuk loses to Washington 49-6 to in a game that was called in the third quarter. Fort Madison falls to Solon. Those are both state-ranked teams. 45-7, to your final there. And Central Lee failed last night by Mid-Prairie Wellman, 60-7. to Over in Missouri, it was Clark County taking down South Shelby 38 to nothing in a game that lasted through the first half before they agreed to call it. Caleb Lapsley, three rushing touchdowns. Chase Norton, a 31-yard scoop and score touchdown as well. Again, that game called off at halftime due to the lightning. Palmyra and Highland has not been called off. They got to finish the first half with Palmyra up 23 to nothing. That game will resume today at 1 o'clock. Centralia and Brookfield got it done last night in mid-Missouri. Centralia stays undefeated, winning 34 to nothing. The Panthers are now 5-0 and in the season. John Durant, 9 of 11 passing last night, 218 yards and three touchdowns, his first passing touchdowns of the year. Making a loser last night at Moberly, 42-32 to in eight-man football, as I mentioned. North Shelby shuts out North Andrew, the number four team in the state in the second half, holding them to just 86 total yards and gets the victory, 46-36. to Kale Stoneburner 
comes in and plays quarterback for Dayton Metis, who was dealing with some cramping issues, ends up rushing 19 times for 103 yards and two touchdowns as the Raiders score their biggest victory maybe since 1996 in the state quarterfinals. It's a huge win for them and puts them right up into the big mix for the state championship moving forward in eight-man football. Knox County and Harrisburg never got started last night. They'll play at 11 o'clock today. Scotland County and Salisbury played a half. Scotland County was up 46-6. to They agreed to make that a ball game. Hayden Long, the quarterback last night, 89 yards for the Tigers, rushing in a touchdown, 71 yards passing last night in a touchdown, and a 55-yard pick-six interception. The Tigers are now 4-1 and on the season. Uh, Marceline was leading Paris 17 to nothing in the second quarter when the rains and lightning came in. That'll be resuming today. Bowling Green goes on the road and gets a big win at South Callaway last night, 20 to 10. Montgomery County beats Mark Twain last night, 44 to 16. North Callaway all over Van Farr, 60 to 20. Wright City breaks Clopton Aylesbury's heart, 20 to 14. And Schuyler County, a winner over Louisiana in a battle of winless teams, or at least previously winless teams, 50 to 20. In junior high school state softball, Pleasant Hill improves to 23-0 and in the season with the win over Calvary in the state quarterfinals yesterday. Pleasant Hill will play at 10 o'clock this morning over normal for a chance to go to the state championship game. Ava Wombles with three RBIs in that one. Boys high school soccer, Quincy High School, a 1-0 winner over at Chatham over Rochester. Jackson Richmiller with the golden goal in that game. GLVC soccer last night. Bellerman beats the Quincy University women 2 to nothing. The men played. They just didn't have an official game because of the timing issue. But QU was up two to nothing when it was called. All right, we're going to break now. When we come back, we're going to talk Quincy Notre Dame Lady Raider volleyball with Courtney Cavitley. This is the Sleep Tight Saturday Morning Ticket on WTAD. Better bed, less money. Sleep Tight, 4535 Broadway in Quincy. Once again, here's Chris Dewar. And welcome back, everybody. We are pleased to be joined by Miss Courtney Cavitley, the head coach of the Quincy Notre Dame Lady Raider Volleyball Squad. And I don't want to start off, Courtney, by insulting you because you and your girls have done a fantastic job out of the gate. But I, I'm just going to blurt this out. I personally think the MVP of the Cavitley family to this point, after seeing him operate a stroller through a crowded gym in Menden like the Usain Bolt of Young Fathers, was Jason Cavitley. He still looks like he's got it out there. It's almost like his playing days with the lateral movement. Have you been impressed with his work as a new father? He's uh, he's doing a wonderful job. I, I would not be able to uh, have this coaching position and do what I do without him, that's for sure. Congratulations to you guys Absolutely again. Wonderful. Absolutely congratulations to you guys on the new baby and as well on your great start. I, I want to talk to you, Courtney, because I know you've played the game at the highest levels. Um, from your standpoint, seeing the progress you've made from last year to this year, what has been the biggest difference in the Lady Raiders? Um, you know, I think, I mean, it helped, you know, our loss last year, um, a little bit of momentum for us for this year. Uh, the fact that this team has been to state, some of them have been to state, you know, in 2000, what was that, 17? Yes. Um, they, you know, they just have a lot of firepower under them. And I think from their experiences and everything that they've been through in the past two years, on top of just getting better skillfully in terms of passing and learning how to hit around the block and just being able to, instead of focus on our side of the net, um, being able to focus on what other teams are doing against us and how we can manipulate the other team, um, I think is a big change that I wasn't really able to do with them last year. 
From your standpoint, this was a really tough week in terms of seeing both Hannibal and Illini West, two teams that had played extremely well against other competition until they got to you. Um, obviously, to get those type of wins, to, to, to kind of put the punctuation mark on this this beginning phase of the season, that was a big, big accomplishment for your girls, was it not? Yeah, I think uh, it was really nice to play a really good Hannibal team. They had a great, great starting team. It really put a lot of pressure on our um, our passers, and uh, in the next day we watched some film and really were able to like break that down and see okay why what our passing that affected our hitting and, uh, and our setting. So, um, you know they they were very talented, and I really appreciated that game because we learned we were able to learn so much from it when we watched film on it. And I love games like that. If we don't learn from it, um, then we really didn't accomplish anything in that match. Uh, and then Illini West, you know, I honestly expected a little bit more from them, uh, especially like just being in their home gym, maybe a little bit more energy and um, competition. But we uh, we served and passed really well and kind of took them off the court. So, well, that's it that, wasn't much. Yeah, that that was a really nice run for you guys. I, I want to start with you a little bit because everybody is probably so gaga about your hitters, and they're fantastic. Sydney Hummert, Meredith Sievers has been incredible. Taylor Keck just mm-hmm. jumps about as well as anybody. That kind of gets <laughs> the headlines and the highlights, but your setting has been phenomenal. None of this happens without Maddie, does it? Yeah, that, that's true. And even going back further, it really doesn't happen without the passing. And I think that is something that we we just we work on every single day in practice, and we strive to pass you know a certain number passing wise, and um, the girls know how important that is. And then Maddie, she she is doing a really really good job this year, and uh, you know I she's our quarterback and she's running the offense for us. And you know the better she can be, the better our hitters are. But you're right, the hitters do get a lot of the glory. Um, but nothing would happen without, you know, especially Izzy Anderson and and Maddie both of them doing uh, their job the way they need to do it. You you touched on that, Courtney. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is as loaded as your roster has been, you've been able to find a lot of rotational time for a freshman who kind of barged her way into the the equation. And and she's a she's obviously a special player to have done that, made those contributions. What's Abby kind of mm-hmm. done to the way you're, you're able to approach the way you attack other teams? Yeah, you know, she is able to um, hit from behind the setter, which is called a slide or a C is what we call it. Uh, two different attacks, and that is that allows the offense to be spread from pin to pin so that, you know, the people that are hitting on the outside, uh, like Taylor and Sydney, that they can get more one-on-one opportunities when you spread the offense. So Abby goes to one pin, Taylor and Sydney on the other pin. They have to really stick the middle. The other side has to stick with them, our middle, Abby, and go behind, and that leaves, if Maddie makes a good set to the outside, that leaves a one-on-one block for Sydney or Taylor. And in my book, if you get a one-on-one block, it better be a kill. So that's kind of how, you know, that behind-the-setter um, attack really can help our offense, which we haven't had, we didn't really have last year. So... Courtney, just from your standpoint, I, I think obviously it, it's been a really good start, but your girls haven't been affected by the undefeated thing at all. They're they're pretty businesslike. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that we've definitely talked about. And, um, you know, my goal at the end of the season isn't necessarily, and their goal, we've talked about that, is necessarily to be undefeated. 
you know, I mean, a loss here and there isn't a, isn't a bad thing. You can always learn from, you know, a good loss. But I don't want to lose. Um, <laughs> but I don't want them to worry about that. You know, I don't want them to worry about, oh, we can't lose this match. I want them to go in thinking we're going to win this match. And that's kind of like how we're changing our mindset instead of being afraid to lose, more of wanting to win. And so instead of worrying about our record, just worrying about, okay, how did we play today? What was the outcome? But let's look at the film and see, okay, was it a good loss, bad loss, good win, bad win? So that's kind of how I think about, you know, the record. The the bullseye you're wearing though is is something, and I, I think you know that because I think you know this week just you know the the level of play that you you elicited for other folks and the the atmosphere of the gym at Illini West where everybody knew this was kind of their proving ground against you. That's a good thing uh-huh. for the girls, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure, and for sure. And and if you were to ask the girls, I'm sure you know they they would rather say, oh, I'd rather you know go into a good atmosphere and a good team than go in and you know play a team that's no good with no energy and and no fans there that's for sure they they really enjoy the good competition and they always you know look forward to things like that well keep up the great work courtney to you and your girls it's been fun to watch to this point and i know the best part of the season is ahead of us and keep that husband of yours in line as well no problem. Again, that's Courtney Commitley, right. who's undefeated Quincy Notre Dame Lady Raiders, have been a joy to watch this fall. And when we come back, we'll talk about the biggest upset, maybe the biggest win for North Shelby in a couple of decades on the football field, straight ahead with Seth Bass. Getting you ready for a full weekend of sports, it's the Saturday Morning Ticket, brought to you by Sleep Tight at 4535 Broadway in Quincy. Here's Chris. A seismic win last night in both the state rankings and in terms of confidence level for the North Shelby Raiders as they take down the number four team in the state, North Andrew, last night, a team that has looked like a powerhouse, a team that has come as close to anybody this season, has beaten number one Pattonsburg. I believe that was a 68-62 loss for North Andrew. So last night, North Shelby proved itself legitimate. Joining us now, the head coach of the Raiders, Seth Bass. First of all, Seth, because we didn't get to stay to the end last night, what was sort of the, the post-game reaction from your team from that win? Oh, they were elated. Um, you know, it, it meant a lot to them. They, they knew what it represented as far as the, the progress of our program. And um, it, it was similar to our win over Northern Harden Central a couple of weeks ago where it was just a, it was a weight off our shoulders. You know, we've had these moments before. We've had these chances before, and we haven't taken advantage of them. So uh, the fact that we were finally able to do it last night was huge, and, and you could see it in the kids' faces. There were about 10 different chances last night for your team to go off the rails when I was there. There were plays that went the other way. There was a fourth down stop that, that you didn't make where, you know, that outstanding quarterback last night from North Andrew turned a fourth and four into a touchdown. I mean, there were all types of, of moments where it felt it could have broke the wrong way for you. What does it say about your kids that they found a way to fight back from 20 down and still get it done anyway? Oh, it says everything, you know, especially our seniors and our really our one junior Um Jackson, since he's the only one there, uh, those upperclassmen, they, they've been through the gauntlet. You know, two years ago, they just faced a, a brutal schedule. Uh, they've seen uh, the powerhouses in the, the state. They, they've seen things go wrong, and they've seen it in the past where maybe they've reacted differently, and they, they've learned from it. Um, the, the leadership from our seniors this year has been tremendous. Um, they, they're hungry. They, they know what we're capable of this year, and um, we're able to, to put mistakes and um, you know, negative things that happen during games behind us very quickly and, and rebound. Um, they, they see the talent around them. 
uh, and that trickles down to our young guys, our sophomores and our freshmen, because uh, we've got some talent down in that group too, and, and they're following the example of those seniors and, and junior and, uh, on how to act and, and how to respond in, in those types of situations. And it's it's very much coming together in a, a very positive way right now. You shut down a super explosive offense. You literally <clears throat> shut them out and held them to 86 yards in the second half last night. Can you tell me what the adjustment was? Well, I'm, realistically, the first half we weren't playing bad. Um, we got a little undisciplined at times on their option stuff, and we were crashing down on their dive instead of staying on their quarterback, and that gave up a couple of big plays. Uh, and then we weren't physical enough on a couple of power plays to squeeze down their fullback. So that gave them a couple of plays. But realistically, I mean, we slowed them down pretty well in the first half. Uh, they took advantage of a turnover and then a, a recovered onside kick uh, and had a couple of short fields off of that. And that's really about the only thing that kind of was the difference in the, the game in the first half besides that kickoff return. So, you know, defensively, it wasn't a dramatic shift. It was just we were a little bit more disciplined and a little bit more controlled. Um, offensively, we just we started spreading them out. Uh, they had a numbers advantage because they were bringing six every play uh, on defense. And um, when we started spreading them out, that gave us uh, the numbers advantage because we had three on three and we were reading the fourth guy inside, and, uh, and they never shifted out of it. And we were able to, to take advantage of that offensively the rest of the half. Kill Stoneburner started for you last year as a freshman right out of the gate based on the fact that, you know, Dayton Metis was hurt, and he has that experience level. He's not your typical sophomore. He had a huge kickoff return to jumpstart you last night, and then in the second half he played some quarterback out of necessity. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a place where that game pivots last night on, on Kale's shoulders. Yeah, Kale's a great player. Uh, he, he's got a lot of confidence, and he backs it up. You know, he, he's a great player. He's a gamer. Uh, and he shows up in the, the big moments when you, you need him, and that was definitely the, the case last night. I mean, to have 19 carries and basically a quarter and a half when he came in for, for Dayton, one state and started having some cramping issues because, I mean, he was kind of carrying us before that. So, um, so to have that luxury to be able to get, you know, 37, I think, or 35 uh, carries out of my two quarterbacks and get three touchdowns out of each of them, I mean, that's just that's a testament to both of them and to, to their leadership ability, to their – knowledge and their feel for the offense and just i can't say enough about both of those kids rarely are the superstars of a game a defensive tackle and a middle linebacker but you could make the argument for you last night that you know particularly jackson but kyle as well both had monster games yeah kyle smith's really matured this year as a linebacker um i would say probably he's matured the most out of any kid i've ever had in a one-year span from a mental standpoint uh just has such a great feel for the game has such great defense things and has done, you know, just a phenomenal job at linebacker this year. And Jackson, I mean, Jackson, in my opinion, is the best lineman in the state at the eight-man level, and uh, he's just a load to handle. Uh, Coach Williams from uh, North Andrew went out of his way to talk to him after the game last night and give him kudos for the, the job well done. And, you know, it, it, he opens up a lot of things for those other guys, but those other guys still have to do their job too. So, I mean, Carson Mesmer, Luke Schwonk, Brayton Cook, um, Andrew Panelio, Gus Williams up front on the defensive side of the ball, and then some of them got some action at, at line on offense, too. I mean, those guys have really made the big difference for us this year and last. I know respect means absolutely nothing in terms of, you know, wins or losses or whatever, but do you think you got the respect of the rest of the eight-man, you know, the eight-man culture last night? Because you hadn't been getting maybe the votes that your efforts had deserved in the polls. Yeah, I think it probably, you know, change some people's opinion of us. You know, we kind of get forgotten over here on our 
island on the east side of the state. And uh, I think that's going to go a, a long way to people realizing we're a legitimate program and that we're uh, slowly growing into hopefully a, an eight-man powerhouse. And, um, you know, like you said, respect doesn't necessarily mean a, a lot, but it does. It, the kids deserve it, you know, for the, the hard work they've done and for them to kind of be swept under the rug and to be forgotten uh, around the state. To me, it's hurt me because I know how good they've been. and uh, I'm glad that they can enjoy this and they can enjoy being respected and seen as the, the great team that they are now. Well, I know nothing is totally accomplished yet, Seth, but you, you did, in fact, post one of the biggest wins in North Shelby history last night, at least since the Ken O'Loughlin era. And the fact that it comes in eight-man football, maybe that's the final deciding point for, for your program. So congratulations to you and your kids. I know there's a lot of heavy lifting still to be done, but, gosh, it's got to feel good to know that you can do it. Congratulations, sir. Thank you very much. And again, that wraps up another edition of the Saturday Morning Ticket. Coming up next Saturday, right here, we're going to talk more of the best in high school football and more with you. I'll tell you what, it's shaping up to be a really good week, and we will have the winner of next week's gigantic, seismic Beardstown Camp Point Central Showdown. Robbie Howard and Beardstown have kind of owned that series since Coach Howard took over. Anxious to see how it shakes down next week. But again, that is a huge football game that tops a pretty darn good schedule in a number of different ways. Hey, we've got Geneseo at Quincy High next week. We've got Macon and Clark County going heads up, so we're going to have some pretty darn good games to talk about and some pretty darn good guests. And again, reminder to join me on Overtime as we try to catch up with the 15 to 20 football games that are still in progress for Friday night as we speak. We'll see you tonight, everybody, at 1030 on KHQA. Broadway and Quincy.